0: Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage bodywork, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. For those of you that are first time listening, welcome. So happy to have you join us in this conversation. For those of you that are dedicated listeners, I really appreciate you all. You are amazing. So today I have a really special guest named Taylor Hunt. Taylor has an incredibly inspirational story to tell about his journey <clears throat> through addiction and recovery and how yoga has transformed his life and how he's found his passion his his drive and his motivation to share and teach yoga with everyone and with emphasis on the recovery community you can find him at his website taylorhuntyoga.com you'll see all of his social media links on the homepage. So to keep it easy, visit his website. Uh, also, he is the founder or co-founder of the TriniFoundation.org, which you'll see a link also below in the show notes for, which is a nonprofit which helps raise money for those that are in recovery to be able to um, go to yoga studios and take classes and help have the yoga aid their recovery process. And there's a lot of other things that that organization does as well. So I am so excited for you to be here and have the opportunity to listen to Taylor. All right, let's go ahead and begin. I'm so happy to have Taylor Hunt here. Taylor, are you here? Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. I've heard so many great things about you from different people that have had an opportunity to host you as a teacher in their studio. So I'm really delighted to have the chance to finally get to meet you, talk to you, and hear about what you're into and what you're excited about in the world of yoga. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm like a... I'm super grateful that you have me on the show, and I've, I've seen where you're putting out other, other podcasts, so it's really awesome.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I was able to ask you this, so I just learned, but you're located up in Savannah, Georgia.
1: Yeah, so we just relocated down to Savannah, Georgia, and um, we are looking to start another yoga place.
0: Where were you before Savannah?
1: So I was in Columbus, Ohio. Nice. Uh, so, born and ra- born and raised, and I basically uh, set up a yoga place there.
0: Nice. And then, are you planning to open up a studio while you're in Savannah?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, what we're trying to do is just we relocate. I mean, COVID basically had us I I don't know, Todd, like reevaluate everything, yes. and um, you know, Col- Columbus. I mean, did that for everyone. But, um, you know, had us reevaluate everything. We realized that we love Columbus. Our friends are there. Our family is there. My students are there. But uh, we we just, you know, uh, me and my wife, we sort of practice, you know, like this idea that we don't really want to have any regrets in our lives. Yes. And one of the things that um, I, I think was uh, that kind of spawned this move was that we didn't want to regret going somewhere else just because we were sort of held down by Ashtanga Yoga Columbus. And, you know, it, it's taking care of, I mean, it's taking care of us. You know, AYC and the community is, like, basically taking care of us. And, and so it was a big move to, like, switch gears oh, and say, hey, we want to start we want to start this other thing. And uh, the community, I mean, you know, like, I'm still going to be up in Columbus. Like, you know, it's still my place, all that stuff. But there's a teacher that, you know, I, I travel a lot anyway. And so um, this this lady, her name is Sarah Nelson, and um, she, she's she been running the Mysore program there uh, for quite some time. And I would come in, I'd take over for her when I was there. And so not that big of a shift, but I mean, for my family, it was, it was a huge shift. We didn't want to have any regrets. We wanted to switch it up. We didn't want the snow anymore. And so we we made a big decision. And it, it was a big decision for my kids, too.
0: I hear you. Oh, I didn't realize you have children. How many kids do you have? Three nice Three. Uh,
1: daughter Michaela's 12 Isaiah's 9 or 8 excuse me and then uh, Xavier is 5
0: oh wow that's awesome man kids are the best <laughs> can, yeah and and uh, that's a really great age little spread right there obviously you guys have made it past the well definitely the diapers and now your youngest is 5 you said right. so you can maybe even yeah. um, you know they can go hang out with a friend and be content for a little while
1: <laughs> uh, totally yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah That. that. They finally, like, uh, yeah, I, it was a big step to, like, you know, have the five-year-old, like, learn to put his own clothes on. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so then um, your wife practices as well, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, she's a authorized level one teacher. She's been to mysore um just, a, uh, I mean, almost as many a times as me, uh, a couple less or something like that.
0: Great. So, but, yeah, Great. she
1: got she got authorized in, like, 2014 or 15, something like that.
0: Very cool. And,
1: um we travel back and forth with our kids to Mysore.
0: Nice. Have they shown interest and/or um, natural instinct toward wanting to practice? Your children? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, quite, quite honestly, no. They haven't. No. Yeah.
1: They, I, I mean, my, my maybe my son a little bit. My middle one, um, Isaiah you know, uh, he would do a, like a yoga program and school and a couple other things. And, and you know, he's like, Oh, I want to be like dad, but they, they never were like, they've never gotten into it. But also I don't force it upon them either, you know, because I feel like if you, there, if, you for, if you like press it upon them, then they reject it and uh, they really have to come to it on their own.
0: I agree 100% with you. My wife and I have taken the same approach with, um, both of our children as well. Um, that's a really great point. I think you're right. Can you remember anything that your parents made you do that you definitely will not have anything to do with right now?
1: Um, I mean, (laughs) golf, you know, like I I played golf in you know, high school and and the the little bit of college that I did. And honestly, like, um, you know, it got so competitive and you know, like I was given all of the per- best clubs and all that stuff, and we were playing for big trophies and things like that. and And it just felt like so much pressure that I just reject the whole thing now. And I was really good. yeah I was, it, it was I, I mean like, I was really good. Yeah, yeah I was like, you know, I wasn't uh, the number one man, uh, no. but I was the number two. I was the number two man on a uh, on a golf team in uh, Dublin, Ohio, and Dublin, Ohio is known for the memorial tournament. Oh, so it was wow. like golf town. Yeah. It's golf town. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) yeah. And so I I was, I was really good. And, and just because there was so much pressure and so much like, this is what you got to do this, you know, and, and, you know, everyone tells you like, Hey, you're going to be great. You know, like, you're great. You just got to keep on working. And then all of a sudden it's just, it's just too much. So yeah, uh, golf is the thing I reject.
0: (laughs) Man, I, (laughs) I hear you. That's cool. Well, I'm really curious to hear about how what your first experience with yoga and/or your exposure and introduction to Ashtanga yoga was.
1: Yeah, well, my first exposure was Ashtanga yoga, uh-huh. um, and so I I got into a ten week course. But how that happened was really um, sort of I don't even know what um, serendipitous. I, I don't know what the word is for it. But I mean, so this I was sitting at an AA meeting twelve step meeting and this lady um came up to me and she said, I'm I think I'm supposed to teach you yoga. And Todd, i I kid you not, um a a week before, or maybe even just a few days before, um, you know, I was working the steps of recovery and my sponsor told me I should pray about, like trying to figure out um like what meditation would look like in my life. Mm. And um and ask for some sort of guidance. And so then a few days later, a week later, sitting at this meeting and this lady sitting across from me and she's, you know, she's like, I need to talk to you after. I didn't even know her. I had no idea idea, um, who she was. And, uh, she walked up to me and she said, I think I'm supposed to teach you yoga. And I was like, I think you're full of it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just, it was just like really, you know, it was really forward to be like, yeah, I think I'm supposed to teach you yoga, which implied that like someone told her or that you know, like her gut was telling her or something like that. And I just like wasn't you know, I was like six months sober and I was like kinda of fresh off the streets and you know, like trying to do the next right thing, but you know, like old life pulls you back. I mean, you know, sobriety is fragile, especially at that time. Yeah. It's always fragile, but yeah. But um, you know, and so the pull to go back to the old friends, to go back to the old, you know, community is you know, pretty strong and and so I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not into it. But I mean, just to make the long story short, the craziest thing is that, um, I, so I'm really stubborn, you know, <laughs> and I didn't see this connection between like what my sponsor told me, um, and the prayer that I was saying on like a daily basis, like how this sort of like connected with this lady. And so I kept saying the prayer. Um, and then this, uh, this lady like kept on appearing in my life and I saw her, um, maybe over a course of Two days or something like that. I saw her about six times, and she would ask me the same thing. She's like, "Are you sure you don't want to do my yoga class?" And you know, I rejected it until really the last time. Like I saw her in weird places, uh, grocery store, <laughs> gas ga- gas station, those <laughs> those kind of things. Um, yeah. And so, and and she was like, "I think I'm supposed to teach you yoga. Are you sure you don't want to do my yoga class?" Kind of thing. And um, eventually, I was just like, "Fine, I'll do your damn yoga class." And I walked in. <laughs> And I didn't have the right gear on, Todd. Like, I, I had long basketball shorts on. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, yeah. N- not and so I had easy. my socks on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had my socks on. And, um, you know, that was, uh, I didn't want to take my socks off. And then I, I went to Target like a couple of days before. I went to the class and, you know, I bought one of those thick exercise mats, which I thought was going to be a cool one, but it like rolls you up like a burrito. <laughs> um and so I'm like walking in and I thought it was only for girls. And so I walked in and of course it was only, it was only girls. This is like 2005, uh, 2006. And, um, you know, I walked in there and it was like, I was nervous and uncomfortable. And I didn't want to like, you know, it felt like it kind of threatened my masculinity and those kind of things. Right. And I was putting needle, I was putting needles in my arms. And so like. I couldn't do it. I mean, she walked us through the sun salutations and she was like pretty gentle there, but we basically did half of the practice all the way to Navasana on the first day. Oh yeah. Um, she skipped some. She skipped some of the harder ones, but you know, we did 30 push-ups or 25 push-ups, something like that, and by the time I got done there, I was angry because really, you know, yoga's like such a reflective experience, especially, you know, like the first couple times. Like I feel like it's like really reflective. Yeah. You know, I, I saw the consequences of my actions of, of active addiction and I couldn't do a push up. You know, I hated myself. I hated what I did to my life. Um, I hated the fact I hated really everything about myself. Um, and that was that was sad and uh, kind of sent me in a little bit of a tailspin. Wow. So I had to, had to, had to kind of check myself. And that was just the first class, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, like it, you, you feel uh, like it brought that stuff up. So there it, it all, did that repel you from practicing again? Or was there still just a little kernel of like, I'm still curious. I mean, obviously you were still curious because you're doing what you're doing now and you're, you're yeah. heavily involved. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering like, what was your feelings at that time in terms of, were you thinking to yourself, I'm going to go back or were you like, heck no, man, I did not want to step foot no, back in here again.
1: I was never going to come back. And really it was, um, you know, like in 12 steps, like, you know, instead of having a teacher, like yoga, we have like a sponsor. And I had like uh, an amazing guy who just was like, not my friend, but was willing to just like cut through all of the bullshit Mm. and go straight to the point and tell me what I needed to hear. Mm. And, um, you know, he, he said something to me that was like pretty remarkable. Um, he said, you know, Taylor, you've been praying about this, this lady walked into your life. You know, it's like I work the twelve. I work the twelve steps. I do all of this this stuff, and um, you know, uh, and this these things are being brought up for you. This lady has been presented to you, Mm. and um, and if you don't do yoga and you don't process all of those feelings that you had on that first class. He's like, I'm afraid you're just going to repeat all of the behaviors that you've had that you yeah. have. Wow. You know, so yeah. like, you're, and you'll go back and you'll drink and use it again. He's like, I, I don't think you can stay sober without practicing yoga. But like, it's that clear that it was sort sort of not a coincidence. It was like a wow. a god moment that wow. was, that I was refusing to look at. Yeah. And so he said that to me, and you know, like I took a, you know, he he. I mean, this is exactly what happened, but he laughed he laughed and hung up the phone and said, you're going back to yoga. And so I had like six days to like sulk and, you know, get myself prepared for the next, <laughs> uh, the next class. Cause there's only, it was a 10 week class. It was like every Saturday we met. Oh, gotcha. So I went back in there yeah, and that was, and a lot of things shifted on the second time. I was less nervous. You know, I felt like I fit in a little bit better. I took my socks off. I still had the crappy mat, <laughs> you know, those kind of things. But you know, yeah. it was, we did the same practice, Todd, you know, I mean, we did the exact same thing. She added a little bit more detail, but, um, you know, I got done and it was the first time in my life that I felt like I actually came home yeah. and I felt, um, I felt some sort of like love and compassion for myself and acceptance of like the past and, and, uh, the mistakes that I had made. And uh, there was this aha moment, and I felt good in my body, although I still couldn't do a push up, still couldn't touch my toes, those those kind of things. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it brought brought these, you know, it it brought it up, and I addressed it. And at that second class, I'm laying there, and it was like, it was honestly like a feeling that rushed over my body, and it was like, um, and if it had words, it would have said, "You're perfect just the way you are." And, um, when, when those words came to my those or to my mind or felt like they were being whispered in my ear, um, I busted out into tears and I'm not really a crier, you know, but I busted out in tears and I, um, you know, I've never really looked back from there. And part of the reason why is because of how it made me feel that day. Mm, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It made me, made me feel alive and made me accept, accept me for me. Um, it actually Probably one of the most pivotal points in yoga, but also in my life and, and, and how it shifted my sobriety and the arch of my life.
0: That's incredible, Taylor. You used a couple of words that if you're not comfortable talking about, I totally understand, but I'm super curious. You said things like, you know, I'm fresh off the streets. Um, you made mention of like, I had needles in my arms. What was your addiction, did it take you to that point of living on the streets? Were you really down and out? Did you get to a really low place?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I got basically as low as you could possibly go. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 I, um, I always had a roof over my head. Um, I always had a roof over my head, but there was plenty of times that I spent time at uh, crack houses and and trap houses and things like that. Where um, in my act of addiction, I wouldn't leave for a couple of days, or I'd, I'd basically like lose myself in there, and you know, sell my sell some of my property, you know, stereos or something like that, in order to just sit over there and get high over and over and over again. And it took me all the way to heroin, you know, like, and it took me all the way to putting a needle in my arm. Wow, um, something yeah. that I, I don't yeah. even like needles today. Yeah, but um. Uh, My addiction took me there. It became okay, like the proverbial line in the sand. I just kind of blew, blew right past it.
0: Yeah. And what was the moment that you were willing to step into a twelve-step program? What was the catalyst for you accept or you making that decision that you really wanted to try to help get help? Yeah,
1: I I didn't really make that decision. Um, you know, because I thought I was basically too far gone. And, um, you know, like my, um, ex-wife at the, at that point, um, came and like kicked down the door and she got me out of like, a like basically a crack out and, uh, she took me right to a hospital and, uh, they, they took me to this hospital and I was basically on the, um, you know, I was on the bed, I was like strapped down to the bed and if I wouldn't have been strapped down to the bed, then I probably would have left. Um, wow, but yeah, I was, uh, yep. uh, yeah. And so I spent three days in like detox and, um, and I was like basically in a five point restraint. And I sat there and I did it cold Turkey because uh, heroin isn't uh, cold. turkey. I mean, heroin isn't life threatening, you know, like alcoholism is definitely life life-threaten- threatening, life threatening. Like they have to detox you off of it for sure. Yep. Crack is not life threatening. Um, alcoholism is like basically the worst because you just sit there and shake. Well, I I was shaking. I felt had like flu-like symptoms and I was what we call like riding the cot. And I rode the cot for three days before I got my first like full and, uh, you know, I got my first meal essentially. Um, and that's like also where things shifted for me because it was where I kind of, I came to this moment where I was like, I didn't want to be there in the beginning, Todd and I'm sitting there riding the cot. And I finally, you know, if you can picture the scene, it's like one flew out of cuckoo's nest, you know, like we're Mm. sitting at the lunchroom Mm. table. No one, no one can really talk, you know, everyone's medicated or coming off of drugs and I'm sitting there and I'm eating this food and I'm like, and I hadn't eaten for six months. Like I would eat like sweet tarts and Pepsi,
0: Wow, you know,
1: that's right. Yeah. Just, and, and I ate that for a really long time. And, um, wouldn't eat anything else. And so I, I ate this first meal and I was like, I felt better almost instantly. Yeah. You know, of course. Yeah, your I body's mean, so nourish yourself. Up. yeah. 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 And so I walked upstairs and, you know, I had like another moment and the moment was like, you know, um, it was really clear. I was like, I want to live again. Like it, it took the suffering of those, of the 72 hours. It took the suffering of that for, uh, for me to be like, Hey, that's, that's what I want for my life. Wow. Um,
0: yes. And,
1: and I, you know, everyone always asked me like, Hey, would you, you know, would you change? Would you go back? And like, not, I, uh, that is one moment that I would not change. And the reason why is because out of that extreme pain of coming off of the, of heroin, it gave me basically a spiritual awakening and the spiritual awakening was that I want to live again.
0: Wow. That's amazing, Taylor. I, well first off, I really appreciate you being so honest and, and and uh open about it and it's powerful to hear. I I that is an amazing story. And just yesterday someone was telling me like a statistic of how few people actually recover and and are able to hold on to that like how challenging it actually is like in the percentages do you have yeah, any it's insi- like three percent three percent that's what like they th- said that's exactly and i i was like are you serious Like, it's that it's that hard or it's that um that's the average that we're dealing with so that's incredible that you've been able to do that that's amazing that's yeah it. i mean
1: that's- <laughs> yeah it's a 3%, yeah. you know, it's a 3% chance that you're going to make it. And ever since like fentanyl, I mean, fentanyl's killed more people than, you know, COVID, heart disease, car accidents. like, I mean, cancer. I mean, it's, you know, it's like killed more of the flu. It's killed more people than, um, all this stuff. And it's sort of like the silent killer where we're not talking about it enough. And, and yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. And I didn't, you know, no one who is in my position in the beginning, you don't realize that you're the lucky one. Mm. You think the party is mm. over. Yep. You think it's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to die. I'm like Superman. You know, it's like you got this inflated self, um, you know, or self-importance, those kind of things. And, and um, you know, I I buried a lot of my friends uh, as a result of, you know, going back out or never getting sober. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. Yeah. It's pretty dark. I believe and it. And I just, I heard another, I just me. heard another statistic. It was, uh, that because of COVID that addiction is up 5,000%. 5, 5,000%.
0: 5, Holy cow. I don't even know
1: what that looks like. Yeah. 5,000%.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's an un, uh, we can't quite imagine like, what does that actually mean? Like, that's a huge number. I, uh got an email I'm a massage therapist which puts me in uh, the I get the Florida Department of Health and those type of emails and I just got one this last yep. week talking about how many people have died from fentanyl this year in Florida alone. And um yep. basically alerting us that, okay, expect to see somebody who's in an overdose from it and these are the steps we should take. Call nine one one immediately, get them help and that all of the paramedics and nine one one people are carrying, um I can't remember what the name of the drug is, but it's obviously something I'll take you out of an overdose or you yep.
1: know, Nar- and, Narcan.
0: Yep, that was it. And um I don't I got two of those emails in one week that really was a was a heavy hit to just make me realize that this is the serious issue it's a really big issue but um so then I'm really curious in the evolution of your yoga practice how did it evolve from there to I mean this is a big jump fast forward to now you're you know a traveling sure. yoga teacher you know like you've gotten to the point where you're Proficient in the Ashtanga style enough that you're traveling and teaching at locations around the country, and I'm, I'm I I didn't ha- I I'm guessing internationally as well. Um, what was your evolution to from practicing from that that course where you were initiate uh, initiate or your your initial your initial initiation into Ashtanga to say going to Mysore and then getting really really serious about it?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back. Yeah. I, I mean, you're a great question. I mean, you know, so a couple, so I, you know, what's, what's happened in my life is that, um, you know, I felt, I feel like I've found, um, I found my path. Like I found like the true purpose of, of my life. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that, uh, I got everything that I needed in order to get right here. And so like in Columbus, Ohio, a Laruga L- 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 glazer, was, um, actually she's from Columbus, Ohio, and she was there and she taught me privately for about a year or roughly a year. And, uh, she was an amazing teacher. She had been to Mysore a couple times at that point. And this was 2000, I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. And, um, I, uh, I got to study under Laruga and I got to, um, basically learn the whole primary series from her. And, and, um, I never thought that I would find a teacher and she was mine, you know, she was like the first teacher that I have. And amazing. she was, uh, yeah. she was awesome. Detail focused. I mean, she demanded a lot of me. I mean, she's, um, a quite intense practitioner and, and teacher and like, I soaked it up, you know? And so just like a year and a half later, like basically this, uh, this, you know, lady was here and I didn't even realize, I mean, she's like, I mean, she's famous. I'm, I just go around and teach. Um, like, but, uh, I mean, she's doing a lot of things and her name is definitely out there more than mine. And, um, she was a teacher to begin with and she was in Columbus, Ohio and That's she would perfect. be doing these YouTube videos. Yeah. And so, but, uh, she was working on like Swedish, uh, citizenship. She lives in the, U- um, in, in Sweden or Europe right now. And, um, she was waiting for it. She was getting out of Columbus and no one would let her teach. So she would teach out of a house. And so I, I paid her like 20 bucks for, you know, private which I bet now it'd be a lot more than that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: And, and she moved away. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so after a year she moved away, she went to Sweden. She got, she, you know, she got accepted and, and, um, and then I met, um, the only other authorized teacher that was in like Midwest, you know, um, and his name was Matthew Darling Mm -hmm. and, uh, Matthew, Matthew Darling was in Royal Oak, Michigan. And, um, I just happened to pit. there was a list on Ashtanga.com and I looked at it. I was like, when Laruga left, like heart, my heart was broken. I mean, she was very influential in my, in my life and practice yes. and all that stuff. Yes. And then uh, I looked at, um, you know, I looked at Ashtanga.com and there was a guy in Royal Oak. And so I went up there and introduced myself and stayed for a week and, you know, and, and I went on a bunch of different trips, but that first one was pretty pivotal because I got to meet with him and like, kind of tell him who I was. And I was like you know I want to learn I want to learn traditionally I want to start my sort program or I want you to come down and run this my program I was like trying to recruit him or something like that <laughs> and um and I and he was he was like yeah it's like you know and he was talking about you know how yoga's changed his life and I was like you know just to be straight up with you you know I got a few years of sobriety you know like yoga's really helped me like you know find sanity you know like help me find um some sort of um peace within myself. And, and, um, and he was like, or I was like, I'm sober, you know, like I'm, I'm sober. And he's like, well, that's interesting. And he's like, you know, he's like, why did you come to Royal Oak? And I was like, I don't know. I just felt like I was compelled to come here. Like you were one of the only authorized teachers. And he's like, well, I just want to let you know that I'm 25 years sober. Nice. And I, and, and the, it, that's not that weird. Although I do feel like there's some synchronicity going on there, but the really, the weird thing is, is that authorized teachers get put, put up on a pedestal. And, um, for the longest time, um, I thought like authorized. I thought that there was a potential for me to like never be authorized based off of my past. Mm. And, uh, for him to share that with me brought him down to the same type of person as what I was. Mm. And he became an example in my life of how to, how to live. Nice. And, um, yeah. And so, um, so there's some synchronicity with it, but there's also like this, he showed me that a sober person can also be like an authorized teacher and care about this tradition and carry the, carry the light and, you know, and teach it in a really um, traditional, but, um, you know, uh, a really authentic way. And that was like really refreshing to me. And it was like just an amazing moment where I was like oh yeah there's people out there There, there's people out there exactly like me who've dealt with their stuff that can still be a teacher in this world and um yeah yeah and and that changed the trajectory that changes also the trajectory of where I felt like my life was going
0: how long from that meeting with Matthew was it before you then took a journey to India yourself
1: yeah so I traveled back and forth with Matthew and And what happened was, is uh, Matthew, like, I was basically apprenticing under him. I would ask him all the questions, I'd kind of observe him and watch how he was in the room and things like that. And I would go up there a lot. And um, a day came and he said, "Um, I think it's time for you to go drink from the well. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I think our work is done, Taylor. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, you've been looking for a teacher, you know, this whole time. And he, he asked me, he asked me a question. He said, like how many people do you think have come from Ohio to like apprentice under me? And I was like, you know, he, he was like a big deal. Like in, you know, like tri-state area, it's like big yeah, deal. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, a thousand, a hundred, something like that. And he's like, Taylor, you're the only one, man. Yeah. He's like, yeah. here's he's like, you're the only one that has traveled this far that has like basically done this work with me. It's like people from Michigan come and see me, but like no one comes from out of, out of town. And, um, He's like, I think it's time for you to go to drink from the well. I think our studies here are done. And I was like, where's this well? I don't understand. <laughs> like, gotta... He's like, you gotta go to Mysore, man. Yeah. He's like, I learned in Mysore, you gotta go there. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. Um, nice. And was, it, was, it was scary. Had a job, I got a job by that point. Was employable by those <laughs> by that time and, and um, had to ask for permission. I went for eight weeks to, to Mysore. Um, so the job like had to sign off my, like they had to sign off on it and all that kind of stuff. So
0: What year was that Taylor?
1: Um, I went the year after Patabi Joyce had, uh died. So I went in 2000, um, I'm not sure if it was the end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010,
0: yeah. something yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Awesome. And I can only imagine that you were just like, whoa, like, wow, yep. amazed, blown away. Like, I wasn't Yeah. I mean, it's such yeah, an was, incredible trip. Amazed.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, 30 hours later, you arrive at a place that, you know, feels like home, but also is definitely not your home, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and India is pretty dynamic. But yeah, so I was there and I, uh, you know, I walked in and, and I met Sherrod and I'd met him in New York. So I went and like taste tested whether or not I was going to like him. And I, I went to New York um, right before I made the trip. And, and um, you know, the cool thing is I walked in there and uh, he, he like somehow recognized me. I have no idea how, but I was talking about Mysore and coming. And he, ha- he said, hey, yeah, you should totally come. And he recognized me when I got in there. And which I didn't know if it was a good thing or bad thing. I kind of wanted to disappear in the numbers, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, uh, and so I went in there and like, you know, it felt like um, it, it felt like the same feeling of this alignment where like I wanted to live, uh, finding the Laruga, finding, you know, the second yoga class, like it, it felt the same thread. It was like so crystal clear at that moment in time, mm-hmm. Todd, that. Mm-hmm. It was just like about doing the next right thing. Yeah, and yeah. I, it, it, and I just kept on doing it. And, and I was provided for, you know, and walking into Mysore and like having my work sign off on it, being okay with it, basically taking a sabbatical, you know, like walking in there, like having them do that stuff, uh, you know, like doing the yoga um, and just felt like so much alignment that I, I, like, it was so crystal clear that I was like on the right path at that moment because everything was being taken care of. And it was, it was, it was just a period of time in my life where it was just like, I was, I'm supposed to be exactly where I'm, where I am yes, right now. Like yes. there, there's no doubt, doubt yes. in my mind. It was, it was just so, um, I was guided the whole way. My hand was held the entire time and, um, it was pretty amazing.
0: One one thought I'm having as you're talking, like, I can get this, like, feeling of excitement from you. And then sometimes, like, when I get that excited about it, like, maybe I'll have a hard time sleeping, but I'll find that the yoga is so intense and you get so wiped out and tired, you're definitely going to sleep. So, like, even though, like, (laughs) so, I mean, just energetically, I can imagine, like, being, you know, that, like, wow, I feel like I'm... I found my calling, yet at the same time, the experience of practicing like that and really working that deep and strong and, and, um, yeah, is such an incredible experience. So you spent two months there and yep. then, and then came home. Did you start teaching right and away? Did you,
1: yeah, did you wait yeah, for so that? Tra- did you? I started teaching. And, um, you know, and I was, I guess I was kind of teaching a little bit before just with the work that I was doing with Matthew, but um, I started teaching and, um, and then four months later, or maybe six months later, I'm not super good with dates and timelines and stuff, but um, uh, maybe six months later, I went to um, India, we sold our house, we sold our cars, and me and my wife and uh, daughter went to Mysore, India.
0: Nice. Um and
1: so we all we all went and we stayed for um a little over 90 days. It was about 100 days.
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. And so with the idea of like okay when we come back to the states we'll just make a fresh start. Like we'll get a car when we yep. get back and that way we won't have yep. all these extra attachments and heavy material items to have to care for, park somewhere, get someone to look after for us and we'll just make a fresh start. Is that yep. kind of how it went? And then yeah,
1: that's that it. is exactly how it went. We and we moved in with her. We moved in with uh, Jessica, my wife's uh, parent. Nice. And um, when we got back to get settled, but then like six months later, eight months later, we we went back to India for another uh, four months.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you guys put yeah. some and solid time in.
1: We did. We were working deep work, and you know, like we were inspired. You know, it's like we there was just like this whole process of unfolding for every, every person around me who was practicing and, you know, Jessica and my daughter and, you know, like it it was giving us all of the gifts of like, uh, it was, it was just amazing. And, you know, today I still get gifts and all that stuff. It's like, um, you know, I feel like I'm still taken care of and like, you know, I get what I need and all that stuff. But at that moment in time, it was just like, um, it was such like be- it was so beautiful because also, like, I wasn't trying to force anything. I
0: guess, I guess what I'm thinking when you said that is that, like, the magic that was happening and the intensity of feeling like everything's in the flow and all this new stuff is happening and unfolding. And you kind of made mention that, like, now. Do you feel like it's a little bit different now and that maybe that comes from the maturity of just time in the saddle and and practicing? Yeah, I, yeah. I,
1: you know, I was I was getting, uh, you know, I, I was such in the, like I was saying, I was such in the flow that, um, you know, I, like things just kept on happening. And, you know, I, um, you know, it was like now being where I am today, I mean, I get to travel around. You know, the one thing that hasn't changed is that, um, I always viewed the yoga as a, a pathway of service, you know, and it was really like me giving back and also giving this healing art. And so I was, I was given all of this stuff, not to, you know, to inflate my ego, you know, like I, I felt like I was given all of this stuff, Todd, because yeah, like yeah. I had like a message to share with the world. I had to yeah. be brave and like yeah. share about my addiction and yeah. put it out there. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, And so it's really a path of service and I try and make people think I try and make people do things better, you know, or or think about the way that they're approaching their practice and, you know, and, and just arriving at this, this moment in time, it's like, there's, there's just a lot of amazingness that has happened. You know, it's like, uh, I'm pretty grateful. So I get to travel around, teach and shops all over the world. And I get to, I, I get to talk about more than just the Shanga yoga. I get to talk about how it changed your life. I get to talk about how like I've shifted patterns, how I've focused on different things, different spiritual practices, to take care of myself through addiction and other, other traumatic things that have happened in my life. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's like, I mean, it's the great work of my life is what I like to call it. I like you. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah.
0: That's amazing because it's not, that is a rare thing. That's a rare thing that people can say, I feel, I I know in the yoga world, we'll call it Dharma or like I've found my path and that I'm doing and living exactly in my truth as to what I should be doing. How many, do you feel like you meet many people that feel the same way you do?
1: Um, you know, I think that, I, I mean, this is my own personal opinion and you can take it or leave it. I think that most of us are asleep to it. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think that a lot of us are called to do other things, but, um, what happens is it's like, you know, money matters. I get it. Like, you know, money is like an important thing. Like you got to pay your bills, you got to, you know, your wants and needs and, um, you got to have shelter and things like that. But I think it gets, uh, you know, it, it goes to sleep and, um, you know, it comes out every once in a while where all of a sudden like you're inspired to do this other work or something like that, or change jobs or, you know, any of those different kind of things. But I think a lot of times it's asleep. And, um, you know, I think that going around and talking about like addiction and how I came out of it, just even because the statistic is so low, um, you know, it's just nice to go around and inspire people to look at that again. You know, like I met uh, the other day, I met an accountant, who was really an artist, which is, seems like a very drastically different thing, like a numbers person compared to, like he wasn't painting by numbers, but he was a painter. <laughs> and you know, and, and after the workshop, he was like, you know, I'm so inspired and I, I want to be a painter, you know? And it's awesome that I get to go around and I get to talk about, you know, how the Shanga method of like showing up every day and working on your stuff, and working on the stuff that you're not good at, getting better at that, you know, can inspire like this new work towards like someone's purpose and, and mm. what they are looking for in their lives, because a lot of us are unfulfilled. And I was definitely 100% unfulfilled. Like I use drugs and alcohol to cope with uh, the, how heavy my life was yep. Um, yep. And, and cope, cope with things. And so I'm able to go around and be an example. I, I don't think everyone gets to share that kind of stuff. And so I take it as a responsibility um, I take it as like, it's okay, I, like, I'm going to piss some people off. Like, you know, because when you're asking people to look in different areas of their lives and uh, evaluate them and see if that's actually what they want, um, you know, all the defense mech- mechanisms come out and, and, um, you know, it's like your ego wants you to stay the same. And, and if you are inspired to do other work, you're going to, you have to get really uncomfortable, mm. you know? You, yeah. you so. That's cool,
0: Taylor. That's super inspiring. I I agree with you. One thing, one word that you you have used a bunch just now is you keep using the word get. And I you recently came or I came across someone yesterday that said once I changed from have to to I get to that yeah. then my whole focus in life is shifted. And you you said that a lot. Like I get to go out and work with people. I get to travel. I get to um, you know, help people or inspire people and I, I think that's a powerful change of verbiage. That's an amazing totally. switch. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, it's a
1: small small shift that makes a big psychological impact. Right. Yeah. I I, I don't have to they don't have to be my students. I don't I, I don't you know, like I get to today. Yeah. You know, I get yep. to, I get to go around and share this message. And also like I get to go around and share about you know, addiction and inspiring people to be better and to look at those things. And that's, that's a, I mean, that's a hell of a responsibility and I, I treat it as such. I go around it. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not just there to teach asana, like I'm there Uh, to be an example of like how you can look at your life and, and how you can make conscious decisions to be somewhere else.
0: That's cool. What, are you doing currently in relation to the Trini foundation? So everyone listening can check it out, have it in the notes below, but you have a website called the dot Can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah. So the Trini foundation is a nonprofit 501c3 that was started after I wrote my book. Um, so I wrote a book in 2016 and kind of chronicled a lot of what I sh- shared here today. Um, even more in the book, um, but so uh, we started the nonprofit um, to basically give access to a group of people that we thought would never have access if, if someone didn't do it for them. And so like these addicts, um, you know, who are in treatment centers, um, we wanted them to be able to have access to Ashtanga Yoga um, just because it was so pivotal in my life and also the bunch of examples around uh, around me that were very similar um, to my story. And so um, we teach yoga and treatment centers. We raise money, um, to, to have teachers. We don't take volunteers as teachers. Um, we only take people that are willing to, um, show up on a consistent basis and actually be a teacher for people to have the Mm. tough conversations, Mm. that kind of stuff. Um, so we don't take volunteers, so we, we pay every teacher. And then we also pay for scholarships for when those students or when those clients get out, um, so that they can be a yoga student. And it goes to my yoga studio or other studios around the world. Um, we got about 50 ish of them. And, um, you know, people call in, um, a lot of times people will send us emails or apply for scholarship and we set up new partner studios all the time. And, um, and what we do is we pay for their pass for three months. Um, and they're able to, they just have to have a commitment. If they don't keep the commitment, then the pass gets immediately canceled. And, um, that's a, we great idea.
0: That's a really cool angle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so we, um, you know, at one point, I think COVID has really kind of hurt, our, hurt, hurt the organization, but we still raise about $100,000 a year. Um, and we try and provide as many scholarships as possible. But there, at one point there was, I don't know, there was a lot of people on, on scholarships. And uh, after COVID, like a a lot of stuff um, has shifted and changed. Uh, But then the last thing that the Trinity Foundation does is we uh, provide recovery housing. So we're in the process of shifting gears because we realized that the the real need um, in uh, like today is that uh, people have to have stable housing or they're never coming to yoga. Um, And so it became a huge barrier to get people to to show up to yoga because they were still living on the streets after they were in treatment. Mm. And so we've shifted gears a little bit and September is national recovery month. Um, So the United States like basically celebrates uh, recovery during the month of September. And so we're gearing up to ask yoga studios around the country, around the world to teach donation yoga classes um, for us. And uh, some people teach workshops. Other times people teach a lead class or I mean, vinyasa class, it doesn't matter. It's really just to give to the cause and to help provide more access to to yoga. And so every year we, it's our biggest fundraiser, um, where we reach out to yoga studios. And so, and, and we ask them to, to teach a class or teach an intro class or a workshop or something like that. And, um, we basically put, put all of this together. We give you the marketing information and, and you kind of run with it nice. and uh, all the donate, all the donations go to the training foundation. And, um, it's a big and also successful uh, program for us.
0: That sounds really cool, and I'd would, I would be honored to take part if, if I can participate as well and help you guys fundraise this oh, year. I, I'd love to be uh, a part of that.
1: Of course. we. I mean, we need all of the help. I mean, the problem is so huge. I mean, like, no one understands what... So, in um, addiction treatment or substance use disorder treatment, um, there is not enough beds, there is not enough support, uh, currently, what's happening in the, um, a, you know, like substance use disorder like world is that uh, there is no solution for the problem. There's a Band-Aid for the problem right now. And mm-hmm. the Band-Aid is that, you know, people are addicted to opiates and, or opioids. And what happens is, is they put them on another opioid to bring them off of the opioid. So it's a pharmaceutical like view of how to solve the, the problem. And this is definitely harm reduction. And, um, it, it makes a lot of sense because a lot of people are dying. I yeah. totally get it, yeah. but it's not a long term solution to the problem. Eventually they have to come off of the opiates or eventually they're going to go back to the heroin or fentanyl or any of that kind of stuff if they don't have the framework. Yeah. And so the problem with the 5,000% increase, the problem is so huge that they're just throwing money at the problem. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough resources because I mean, it's just the. I mean, no one wants to talk about it, Todd. Yeah. I mean, who wants to go? Who wants to talk about you know, like their brother that you know is dying? You know, from from putting yeah. a needle on his arm. Yeah. yeah no they, one wants to talk about.
0: They want to hide it because it
1: seems like mora- yeah. yeah, it seems like a morality thing. Yeah. And it's not. It's a disease. It's it, It's a disease. It's obsession of the mind. An allergy of the body. And once, like, a substance is taken, it triggers this craving to have more all the way until someone dies. Wow. And yeah. And, and so the problem is just gigantic and tapping as young as 10 or 12 year olds. We, I taught a yoga class and it was like 12 year olds and they were all like addicts like me. Too, wow. I, yeah. That's, an yeah. adolescence program. Yeah. And I was just like heartbreaking and um, it's happening to everyone i've also taught a class where there was like multiple 60 70 year old people 70 uh, year olds it doesn't matter your socioeconomical um, like level it doesn't matter your race creed your yep. religion yep. any of this kind of stuff it it knows no boundaries it's it like um, it, it's terrible and so and and no one wants to talk about it and as a result of like not talking about it just throwing money like it it doesn't it doesn't help you know, and so like part That's of the point. mission of me going around, I mean, in order to in order for me to recover, I had to say that I had a problem. It didn't matter if there was a judge, um, a lawyer, a doctor, any of those people that say, oh, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, all that stuff. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, right. Um, And I would never listen to them. It wasn't until I made the admission that things changed where I had to actually start taking some responsibility. And the big shift right now is like to to take responsibility for your actions and to clean up your past and, and do the work necessary in order for people to heal. And that has to be addressed. And if it's not addressed, then it's not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah.
0: Wow. I see how it's such a huge multi-layered, um, challenge and problem to tackle. But I love the fact that you've, you've thought this out so much that you're, you know you're like this is what we need to do this is what needs to happen yeah. this is the steps we need to take as opposed to i guess i'm sure there's folks out there like this is too big a problem for us to tackle how could we ever but i think like yep. what you're doing where you're consciously thinking about it and turning it over and and seeking solutions and coming up with a nonprofit to make it possible for people to have access to yoga, but even like you said, to have uh, housing and all that, that's, that's really amazing Taylor and admirable. Yeah. I, that's incredible. I'm, I'm super curious about if you I'm going to say when you see yourself, uh, I was going to say if, but I'm guessing it could be a when. you know, you're now in this role of being sober and taking care of yourself and passionate about what you do, you have the opportunity to work with someone who is on their first Shtanga Yoga class and they're making their first foray into attempting to maintain sobriety and they come to you for class. What is that like for you to see that and to have that sort of retroactive perspective?
1: I mean, a great question. And I mean, that is... um, well, first, I, I mean, maybe I'll make a little light of it because I mean, I do feel like that's a huge responsibility. It's like, because I'm trying to be sort of like a beacon of hope and yeah. accountability yeah. and, um, response and healthy and like creating a, a safe, uh, trust back and forth. Um, but I, I you know, if they walk in and they got the target mat and long basketball short, uh, shorts on and, and socks on Todd. I'm yeah. like, sit down. I will. I will literally teach you everything that I know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. if they walk in, just like how I walked in, it's like yeah. there's a special place in my heart. Yeah. And to see that, see the growth. <laughs> I mean, we're t- we're talking about <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. since 2016, you know, we've I've seen i th- I've seen a, probably a thousand people um, that have used yoga, not just in Columbus, all over the place. A thousand people that have used it as a part of their recovery. And that is deeply inspired uh, uh, deeply inspiring for me because like, I'm still working on my sobriety too. Yeah. I don't always make yeah. the best, uh, you know, I, it's like something that you, you can't go to sleep on anymore. And, and it's constantly something that is there all the time. And I don't always make the right decisions. I'm not always like, but I, but I'm literally trying to do the best job I can trying to try and get 1% better every, every day. Yeah, And, yeah. um, And sometimes I fall short, you know, I'm a human as well. And so like, but to watch those people come in there and, um, you know, get inspired. I mean, it, it, like it just reaffirms my path.
0: Yeah, I bet. That's incredible, man. Wow. Awesome. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk to you and hear your story. I've, I've, you know, I've, your aura is big. And so I've 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 kind of knew this from other people that that have mentioned that they've hosted you and how much they enjoyed hearing your excitement for the practice and how it's helped you. But it's so great to have this chance to actually hear it straight from you.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: can, can um and I also noticed on your website that you do a podcast as well.
1: Yeah, so I I actually used to do it. I started I, so I'm in the process right now. We moved to Savannah, but I'm also in the process of like starting a treatment center. Um, where we are going to take yoga and mindfulness and meditation along with clinical therapy and like put them all together. Mm. And as a result of like shifting focus into doing that and starting Ashtanga Yoga Savannah, um, I had to give up some things that were taking up too much of my time. And the podcast was one of them. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the, the, pod, the podcast was great. And the reason why is because it was people who were just like me Got to share their story, yeah, and it was just a, just a platform where I could put them on there and talk about like you know hard things, yeah, people being really brave and and sharing their story and being open or wide open, um, but uh, I had to I had to put it away for for right now um, so that I can focus on another thing. There's right. no, I only got I only got sixteen hours a day or eighteen hours a day, dude. I
0: hear <laughs> but, you. Is, are, are the episodes still available to listen though? If someone was interested.
1: Yeah. Cool. Of course they're on yeah, they're on Apple, um they're on Spotify, they're they're on all of them. But it's called The Heartbreak Kids and right. the theme around it was like everyone shared like how the practice was like healing them and this heartbreak of addiction or codependency or you know, trauma, like how we use the practice to heal.
0: Nice. Well, I'm so excited to hear that you're really not that far up the road from us uh, being Georgia, Florida, <laughs> just across the Georgia, right. Florida line. And um, <laughs> with that being said, I I wonder if you'd ever be willing to come here and teach sometime or offer a workshop here. It'd be so great to meet you in person and get a chance to practice with you.
1: Yeah, I'd love that. Um, what part of Florida is it?
0: We're in Juneau Beach, which is about... 20 minutes north of West Palm Beach, about an hour and 15 to an hour and a half north of Miami.
1: Yeah, we should do that. I'll come. I, I like, I could come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we could set it up where we could, uh, I could share my story and, and then I could teach some my or lead classes or something nice. like that. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. I'd love that.
0: That would be really cool Taylor. I really appreciate that. Is there, I mean, you've given us so much insight and inspiration. And I think beyond just the recovery world, if you could leave us with a thought or inspiration or something that you'd like to motivate us with, is there something that you'd like to add beyond what you already have?
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that really rings true to me, and I know it's just like a little saying, but, um, it's really important in my life. It's something that I say on a consistent basis, uh, to keep myself in check is that if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Mm. And, um, that is like written on my heart. And so I constantly am trying to do different things in order to get different outcomes. And, And that's what I ask of my students. And that's what I ask of people around me. Um, to think about things different or approach your practice differently, uh, to get inspired, to do some other things. So if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Nice.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, man, thank you. Thank you, Taylor so much for taking time to share your story with us. And, uh, I really feel honored to have this opportunity. So I greatly appreciate it. I look forward to continuing the conversation with you and, um, Hopefully get a chance to put, put that into reality, what you mentioned, or we mentioned about coming down here and and teaching. So I really look forward to it. And uh, again, just thank you so much.
1: Yep. Thanks so much, Todd.
0: Yeah, man. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the end. I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Taylor. You can check Taylor out on his website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. Make sure while you're on his website, you follow him on all his social media channels or whichever one that you enjoy using. Also check out the trinifoundation.org website, which is also linked on there, where you can learn how you can participate and help fundraise during the month of September for those in recovery. And... You know, basically, I'm so thankful. Taylor, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. That was amazing. I feel super inspired. I Thank you. Also, for those of you that would like to practice with us here at Native Yoga Center, you can go to our website, nativeyogacenter.com, and there's a link on the homepage where you can try two weeks live stream unlimited yoga with us, and there's also... I have a thirty a new thing where I'm doing a thirty minute meet and greet where I'll do a, a thirty minute free Zoom session. So if you're joining in, that way I can check out what your ability level is and where you're. If you're a newbie to yoga or if you're experienced, and I can get a chance to know where you're at. All right. Well, with all that being said, uh, man, I can't wait for the next one and to join again with you. Take care. Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, Please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it, and review, and join us next time.